Hi, and welcome to Happier Music Teacher. Are you a music teacher who has no time, no voice, and you kind of need to pee? I'm Beth Duhon. I'm a Christian, wife, mother, musician, and former stressed hot mess music teacher. I've been there. Join me every week as we work on easy micro actions so that you can be a happier music teacher. to episode 70 of The Music Room. In this episode, I will be interviewing Beth Duhan all about self-care for music teachers. The title of the podcast episode is Wisdom for Worn Out Music Teachers. A little bit about Beth. Beth Duhan is, to borrow Tracy King's phrase, the K-5 Ambassador of Joy at Travis Elementary in Rosenberg, Texas. This is her fifth year teaching in Lamar Consolidated ISD. She has received over $14,000 in classroom grants for a keyboard lab, iPads, and music manipulatives, in addition to regularly receiving travel grants for music education conferences. In 2021, she presented Self-Care for the Music Educator, Not Just a Buzzword, for TMEA and the LCISD Elementary Music Teacher Cohort. Previously, Ms. Duhan was a successful horn private lesson teacher, clinician, and freelance performer in the West Houston area for over a decade. She also taught elementary music in Williamsburg, Virginia, and middle school general music in Falls Church, Virginia, before moving to Texas. She was an honors recitalist, principal horn in the wind ensemble and orchestra, cum laude, and an inductee of Pi Kappa Lambda from Illinois Wesleyan University, where she received a BME. At the University of Houston, Ms. Duhan was a teaching assistant in the music history department, summa cum laude, and a student of Roger Caza, St. Louis Symphony, and Nancy Goodearl, Houston Symphony. She received an MM in horn performance. Ms. Duhan met her husband, Jimmy, while they were both performing as instrumentalists at Bush Gardens, Williamsburg. They have a 10-year-old son, Mark. Here's the show. All right. I am so excited to have Beth Duhan on the podcast to talk to us about self-care. Hi, Beth. Hey, Aileen. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm very excited for you to be on. I would love for you to tell us about yourself and your music educator journey. Yes, ma'am. I'm Beth Duhan. I am the K-5 through music educator at Morgan Elementary in LCISD. First and foremost, I am a Christian followed by wife, mother, musician, and then teacher. And I think the order of those roles matters. My goodness, journey is definitely the right word for my music educator journey. I think most of us have that going on. So I was just thinking tonight, I had some really great female role models growing up for music educators. So my band director was female and she taught K through 12 music and band. And then I had a great private lesson teacher, Miss McMillan, and I would go see her once a week. And she ridiculously undercharged me for French horn lessons that were fabulous. I went on to college and then I had uh, Mrs. Fairfield, who was my private horn lesson teacher. And she was just, I wanted to be her when I grew up, you know, just a bad mamma jamma who would freelance around Chicago, play shofar at the temples. I mean, she just, everything I wanted to be, I think she was a great example for that. So I started out teaching school in Williamsburg. And I was just thinking, if you were at the Williamsburg Oak Conference, I was yeah. too. Oh, really? So small world. Yeah, that was actually my very first OAKE conference. It was like my first, my first and only. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yes. That's cool. Yeah. You never know. 
Yeah. So I taught there and then uh, my husband got to graduate school. So we moved to the DC area where I taught fifth through eighth grade general music uh, at a private school outside of DC. And then I was pretty ready to be done with schoolroom for a while. So we actually stumbled into private lesson teaching in Texas and I lived there happily for 13 years. I was a private French horn lesson teacher. Texas is really neat in that some of those larger areas, I actually had a sustainable studio for my full-time job, which was, it was just neat. And for the time it was perfect. But when my son got to be kindergarten age, it was time to move on personally and professionally. And then I got a job at Travis Elementary in Lamar. And this is my first year at Morgan. It's a new campus, but we're in a really unique situation. We are co-housed with another campus on their campus while our school is waiting to be built. And so I'm currently in a portable and brand new school. And then also our Veterans Day program is in collaboration with their campus. So it's just a lot of unique things. It's been fabulous, but uh, different than where I was before. So that's a, that's a short story of my journey. Awesome. All right. So what inspired you to start your journey with self-care? I've heard people say that research is me search. And that was definitely the case for me because like I said, as mentioned with outside of DC, I was not really wanting to teach anymore after that. It was a very demanding clientele. We had kind of been through the ringer. We were in DC during every imaginable bad thing you can think of from the sniper to September 11th to a blizzard. I mean, it was biblical, you name it. We went through it. So we were just ready to be out of there. And like I said, I was just a hot mess express because I had no limits on my time or energy. I thought I would teach full time, have a fairly young marriage, uh, add on part-time children's minister at church, other extracurriculars, and just think that everything was just going to hum along swimmingly. And it didn't. And so I was just really ready for a complete change, which is where we found the lesson teaching. Then when I returned my first year back as a elementary music teacher, I was excited. I like elementary. Um, part of my student teaching experience was elementary. I really felt good about that. Um, I had some Kodai background and things were going great. New job, new house. My son was in kinder until they weren't. So in the spring of that year, I injured my foot at the science night. And when I do something, I don't do it halfway. So I really did a number on it. And I was on workers comp for several months. And every bias, every bad feeling I had about workers comp ever just came to the surface. I was so anxious. I mean, it was my first year. They didn't know me. I was so afraid they would think that I was faking or making it up when in fact I was in pain Mm -hmm. every day. My son's behavior really cratered that year. You know, so some of the things I was just building my worth on that he was a sweet, good boy and, you know, appearances and being a perfect music teacher and perfect musician and perfect, perfect, perfect. It just went to the side. And the other thing that really told me is that I'm replaceable. You know, the next day after I was hurt, there's someone else in the classroom. They weren't me. But the interesting thing is she's actually teaching in the district now. So Mm -hmm. in some way, I think it probably gave her an opportunity. So I knew that if I did not change some things, uh, music education was not going to be sustainable for me. I would just have to find something else. And I didn't want to find something else. Like I said, my role models were my female music teachers growing up. I wanted to make it work. So I had to figure out ways that I could do it to make self-care work and make my job work. I wanted to be excellent at home. I want to be excellent at work. And like I said, that injury, I think there's always a reason. And I frankly would not take it back, even if I could now it always teaches you something. Mm -hmm. And like I said, we needed that time as a family and I needed that reset and it really helped me prioritize. It's so funny. I actually just had a conversation with a PE teacher at my school because we got on the topic of injuries because he had, uh, he knew of a student who just got injured badly. Um, And I told him about how I broke my neck clogging, 
which is a whole other story. When I was in eighth grade, I broke my neck clogging. Um, so I also don't do anything halfway. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to play the Louis Louis trumpet solo at the homecoming parade the next day. And I didn't realize I had a broken neck. I just knew I was in a lot of pain. So I went to school with a broken neck and didn't make it through. <laughs> Oh, but I actually said that exact thing to him. He said, oh, I'm so sorry that happened to you. And I said, uh, don't be sorry. It actually made me a much stronger person. So uh, yeah, I do think that things, you know, sometimes do happen for a reason and they can make us stronger. And I think Absolutely. regardless of, you know, the, the people who are listening, regardless of the things that have happened to them and what their journeys look like, I think everybody can relate to that. Just having way too much on your plate and loving being a music teacher, but having a hard time balancing everything. I think we have a little bit of a savior complex that we're going to save the world and we're going to do it through music and education. And, you know, because we think it matters so much and it does, we think that means that we have to pour every last ounce of ourselves into it. And that's one of my roles and it's one I really hold dearly, but it's not my only role. Right. Yeah. And I also think just the point that we are replaceable, I think sometimes that's hard for us to swallow too, but that's kind of good to keep in mind that if we're not there, someone else will be. So we need to big time and it's pride. And I mean, if you just want to get morbid about it, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, right. (laughs) Don't be sad. (laughs) I hope a little sad, (laughs) but I mean, (laughs) but they're going to find somebody else to to replace me. And like I said, and that it, it, it is what it is with that. So I also think just by prioritizing the people I'm most important to. Yes. I remember at my job in Williamsburg, it was a great school. Uh, I really liked it. And I said, I was there just a year because my husband was going to grad school, mm-hmm. but it had kind of turned into one of those revolving door positions where there was someone different there every year. And I remember those kids just sitting there struggling to remember their former music teachers. Mm-hmm. And I know them, they were rock stars. They were doing a great job. It wasn't about them or the quality. Right. And we're a part of our kid's life, but we're just not their whole life. Right. So it just a little perspective. Yeah, for sure. All right. So self-care is kind of like a buzzword. We hear a lot about self-care. So how would you personally define self-care? Everybody is so over that term. We, we totally need a rebrand because everyone hears self-care and the first, I mean, their eyes roll, they zone <laughs> out. Oh, self-care. Oh, can we please have some professional development on self-care? So that your question pushed me a little bit. And here's what I came up with. And I probably tell everybody something a little bit different, but I decided that it's the positive proactive habits that only you can do to make your personal and work life better. I I was listening to one of your old podcasts with Emily. uh, I think the rest of rejuvenate one. Mm -hmm. And she was talking about that. It's not self-comfort. And I've heard Michelle Rose say it's not self-soothing. And I think that's really where we as a society get it twisted Mm -hmm. because we think, oh, I am going to make myself the biggest ice cream sundae you've ever seen. I am going to watch 12 hours of Netflix and disappear. And I'm really caring for myself. And I think there's times where, yes, scoop it up, watch all the Netflix. Yes. And like I said, that's a Band-Aid. But if that's what you're doing to put a Band-Aid on a flesh wound, I think you need to find some other ways to make it more sustainable. That's a good analogy. Thank you. If you look kind of just at every day and also COVID-19 during the pandemic, what do you think are the biggest obstacles that music teachers face with self-care? with really like providing that for themselves. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, we just tend to gloss over the fact that we're still in a pandemic. Mm -hmm. I mean, up and down and things are better or worse. And I'm not trying to put any judgment call on anything about that, but we're still there. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm wearing, choosing to wear a mask at school. I know some place, you know, everybody's different that way. So it's definitely affecting my everyday life. I'm going to say the biggest obstacle is ourselves. And the good news and the bad news is the bad news is you're the problem. And the good news is you're the problem and you can fix it. I always think, like I said, I have a wonderfully great husband. It is not his job to do my self-care. 
I have great admin. It is not my job to have them put the limits on my time and energy. They don't know me. And like I said, self-care is really a self job. And I also think it's not cookie cutter. Mine is not going to look necessarily like yours. You know, we're all so unique. In my clinic, one of the things I have us do is just look at our personal and professional situations and with just a very honest eye. You know, how many kids do you have? And do you have aging parents? Do you have help nearby? Do you have a crazy long commute? Can you walk to work? Do you have a very demanding clientele? Are you maybe in a Title I campus? I've been in both situations before. There's so many factors for that, that you just need to sit and take a hard look at what you really need. So I think the factor is, as we talked about earlier, you could, I mean, it's always going to be the bottom of the list if you let it be every time, you know, I can always find something else to do in the morning. I could dust my house. It could happen. <laughs> I could, you know, hang out with my son. I could watch TV. I could struggle social media. There's so many things I could do besides take care of myself. And I think true self-care is actually the boring stuff and not always the fun stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, it's um, scheduling your medical appointments so you can stay on top of that. It is, like I said, that does not seem self-care-ish at all. I'm on a new campus. And so that's challenging for me because I want everybody to like me, you know, most of all my admin, but also the other teachers. Mm -hmm. So when people approach me with things, you know, the first thing I want to say is, oh, of course, I'd be happy to, I'll have it. And that's not always realistic. So finding a way to gracefully choose the right yeses um, and go from there that way. I also just think self-care can be small. I think sometimes we wait for that epic spa day or, you know, the epic, I'm going to, you know, read a novel, which is great. Those are, like I said, I am not down on those at all. And then I think at the right time that can feel wonderful. But if you're just using that to cope with your day-to-day life, there are better choices. Mm-hmm. The other night I was, um, I just kind of melted down, you know, I'm boohooing to my husband I'm failing at home. I'm failing at school. No, I'm not. I may not be doing everything I want to do at home in school, but I'm, I'm not failing. Right. And, you know, so when I, when I looked at that, I was, I kind of just made myself make a list. I'm doing a lot better than I think. And I'm doing a lot better than Beth in the past would have done, especially with self-care. And the nice thing is some of those things are just so ingrained now they're habits. So I think that's where we want to be is that we're doing healthy habits. But like I said, I have a healthy habit doesn't always feel just amazing in the moment. You know, this morning I got up at 5 a.m. So I could have some quiet time with my coffee and my Bible before the rest of the house caught up. Well, when the alarm went off at five, that doesn't feel amazing. Right. Yeah. You know, or the V8 I keep on my desk, you know, to have along with my lunch does not feel amazing. I don't crave V8 or something, you know, but I think it feels beneficial and feels like I'm doing something for myself. And also I think, you know, music education, I wanted to be a marathon, not a sprint. So if I'm going to do this for decades and I have and want to, then I need to make, find ways to make it really work for the long term. Yeah. So if you're just kind of thinking about like taking care of yourself, what would you give as specific examples? And I completely realize this is going to be different depending on the person, but what are some examples, I guess, of how you have provided self-care for yourself? What are some things that you do? Absolutely. One of my favorites is that early wake up. And I, like I said, I am coming at this from the perspective of being a middle-aged wife and mom, you know, 20 something year old me may not have wanted to do this, but getting up before my family has been really nice because I'm not rushing out the door. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, I would have grabbed, I mean, I can see it at the dorm. I would have grabbed a cherry Pepsi mm-hmm. and a candy bar from the vending machine. My hair would have been wet. I would have been running five to 10 minutes late, hoping right. for the best. And, you know, and thinking I'd be fine and think I could wing it and we'd be okay. And now I would rather 
arrive less rushed, arrive, you know, well before the school day starts. I think that's a good gift that we can give ourselves because if your day starts off all rushed in crazy town, it just, I don't feel like it sets you up well. You can recover. We can recover from everything, but that's the part that you have control over. Mm-hmm. So I think your morning routine can be huge. So um, just to give you some practical things with a morning routine that I do, um, like I said, that early wake up, coffee and Bible time, it's quiet. I make a smoothie every morning because I feel like uh, I am by no means a skinny mini, but I do know that that is a healthy habit that I can do pretty fast, pretty easy, pretty healthy. And that's part of my foundation. Filling a Yeti mug with ice and water. That way I know I'm at least starting the day out that way to get what I need. Uh, The other one that I do is, and this is a little strange for some of us. So I have gone from a longer commute to a shorter commute. That was one of the main reasons behind the campus move. So I've gone from like a 35 minute to like a 15 minute, okay, which is great. Game changer. I commute in total silence in the morning. There is nothing that I need to hear on the radio, on a podcast, any music that I need to listen to that is more precious to me than that silence. Mm-hmm. So I think commuting in silence can be a gift, even if you're just able to do it a little bit of the way. Mm-hmm. So those are biggies for me just to get how I get started with my morning routine. The other thing is between classes I'm really, I'm working on this one. It's hard for me. Given my way, I would just check my email between every class or check my phone between every class or kind of pace. I'm trying to train myself to stretch between the classes, walk to the restroom, maybe be a touch early, set up between, just give myself some margin because it's very easy to just have the whole page completely full with no blank space. And I think, you know, we know those things are going to happen. Uh, An assembly is not a surprise. Your fall concert is not a surprise. You know, the fire drill is going to happen. Mm -hmm. It's on the schedule. So giving yourself some margin. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, even lesson planning wise, something that has been helpful for me is every nine weeks, just call it a buffer week. I'm going to need it. Yeah. Why not do it? Worst case scenario it's review. Mm -hmm. Or it might be that I'm getting another class caught up Mm -hmm. instead of feeling like, oh my goodness, cramming more, we're behind, push and rush. Let's just give that buffer week Mm -hmm. because four times a school year is not too much for that. And it's not a throwaway. Um, Like I said, I think there's a lot of educational value to it. I always feel good after that week. Yeah, that's a great point. It's funny what you said about driving in silence, because I do often listen to music or to podcasts and I have a half hour commute to and from work. But the other day I was listening, I started listening to a podcast and I just turned it off and I said, no, I just need silence right now. So I think just kind of like listening to that inner voice that tells you, no, just turn it off. You just need quiet right now. And you're right about the right now part of it, because what might be right for me every day might not be right for you every day. So I'm always in a constant state of kind of taking my temperature of what do I need most right then, yeah, you know, or pushing myself. So with, with the silence, I think we, our ears get full. I mean, goodness, if, you know, I have a 10 year old boy at home, this is not quiet. Mm-hmm. You know, our classes are not quiet. Right. Uh, there's car rider duty is not quiet on and on, you know, and even just our regular, just environment with as many, much technology as we have, there's a lot of noise. Yeah. So I think as musicians for us to get a break from that is really restorative. That's great. I think just something that just kind of occurred to me as you were talking that a lot of times self-care is kind of like tossed around with the phrase work-life balance. How would you distinguish those two or how do they complement each other? There is a great book by Christy Wright that I haven't gotten to yet. I think she just released it. I think it's called Take Back Your Time. And it's exactly about life balance. Okay. And she says, you know, it's not about these um, spinning plates and juggling balls and walking a tight wire. Instead, it's doing the right thing at the right time. And I just love that. And yeah. so with work, I think, especially with the new campus, there are times where I'm going to be less stressed out 
if I choose to have a day that I stay late, Mm -hmm. but instead of it being like, oops, it happened to me. Mm -hmm. If I can say, this is my stay late day, right? This is what I want to accomplish during my stay late day. And my family knows, and I can plan on that. And like I said, and it's not crazy late, but I know that that is a day where I can do all those things that may not fit right now. Yes. And And like I said, with open, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna say with opening a new campus, there are just some things that are unique to that, that I probably won't have to do again. Right. You know, so it's a season. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I was just going to say that I think in the past, I've often like stayed a little bit late every single day. But I am trying to just have, like you said, that one stay late day of I'm going to sit and I'm going to work on this. And then all the other days I can go home when I'm supposed to, you know, without staying late. So it's good to kind of, and and to make that conscious decision, like you said, said, instead of feeling like it was something that happened to you. I think the big things to me are proactive and intentional and also looking at your week ahead so that, you know, I'm big on this, you know, um, looking at it ahead. If I know I have curriculum night that week and I have a faculty meeting and I, and I have a Taekwondo belt test, and this could be an actual week. Mm-hmm. That is not the week for me to take on a big extra project mm-hmm. or start the healthy eating plan. You fill in the blank. Okay. I just know that that week, or instead of being like beating myself up, if I get takeout, mm-hmm. just choose to get takeout one of those nights. Right. I know I'm going to be running late, blah, blah, blah. I would, I, in the past, I would try to come home and start that from scratch meal mm-hmm. after all the craziness. And it would be late. We'd be hungry. I'd be stressed. And my kitchen would be a mess. Right. And I have a lot more control than I think. Yeah. You know, and like I said, and with takeout, um, no, that's not where I want to live, but as an intentional choice on a crazy night for me and my family. Yes, absolutely. Right. Everyone will be okay. Yeah. If we order pizza that night, right. (laughs) You know, there's probably a coupon. It's probably not even a budget. You know, we can throw some fruit after it. If we really want to feel good about ourselves after the meal. Right. What are your top three suggestions for self-care? Okay. I'm feeling pretty good about this one because I have, oh my goodness, the term left my head. That's what I get for bragging. Alliteration. I have alliteration. Oh, okay. Cool. Okay. (laughs) And there's even some bonus ones too. (laughs) Um, uh, So sleep, which I know is such an obvious one, Mm -hmm. but I really think we cannot overestimate the importance of a good night's sleep. Mm-hmm. And like I said, young Beth, I just didn't care about that. I was fine ish. I thought I was probably actually a tired grouch, but nowadays it is a priority for me to the point that I have the bedtime of a toddler. Mm-hmm. We were joking last night. Um, my son was like, mom, when's your bedtime? And my husband was like, same as yours. Mm-hmm. It really is. So I will try to just wind down on my iPhone. It has a bedtime feature. So I will try to set it for nine. Now I'll be honest. I am never asleep at nine. Right. But at least I'm in the bed at nine. Right. You know, hoping to be asleep by 10. And if I'm going to do that five o'clock wake up call, I better. Right. And I'm still by the weekend, I will nap. I'm a napper from way back. I love it. I've never had a bad nap in my life. I know there are people uh-huh. who have. So I think sleep is huge. If your voice is tired, take a nap. If you're grumpy, take a nap. If you need just a hard reset on your day after you come home from work, take a short nap. I just think that sleep is huge. And as a culture, we're really weird about it. I heard a statistic that we are the only mammals that were willingly deprive ourselves of sleep. Wow. Isn't that wild? Yeah. And I'm like, why would, why would we do that? Mm-hmm. Those other animals have it on us. They know what to, they would never do that to themselves, but we'll do it like a badge of honor. So I'm going to say sleep. Um, the other one is like we were talking about with the silence, mm-hmm. uh, the commute in silence. So sleep, silence, even at home or even at school, I will start to turn some music on when I'm lesson planning, mm-hmm. or I will start to turn Alexa on for a playlist when I'm making dinner and something just stops me. Mm-hmm. And I find that, um, now I will listen to podcasts a lot. That's my thing. 
But even that after a while, when I'm done and my ears need a break, I'm surprised how much more relaxed I am with less input that way. And I think as musicians, we're so auditory yeah. that maybe we're more likely to get overstimulated that way mm-hmm. than others. Yeah. The other one is solitude. And once again, as a middle-aged wife and mom, this can be hard to get. Someone who also teaches school, like I said, I am riding by myself to school. That is time by myself, even sometimes during lunch. And I Really hope it doesn't come across as antisocial. Right. But the more stressed I get, the more it feels like I need some alone time mm-hmm. to be okay. I am a pretty hard introvert and I know that about myself and I know that about my energy levels. So like I said, I do need to be intentional so I can build relationships with the kids with lunchtime and also with my team. It's a new team and I love them. It seems like a great fit. But also I also need to know that I have needs and that sometimes solitude for me. And I, I love Kinnerin first, but there are a lot yeah, and yeah. we have a 50 minute <laughs> class. Uh-huh. And if I am at lunch and I'm just trying to work hard all lunch, or I'm at lunch and I'm really socializing hard with a bunch of people, uh-huh. by the time I come back to Kinnerin first, I am just not there. Right. It's I, I'm really having to psych myself up into it. Right. But if I take that quiet alone time during lunch, when they come to the door and I say, I'm glad you're here, I'm telling the truth. Right. So uh, the other ones, and these are for overachievers, sugar, mm-hmm. and this is going to, this is going to get some people going. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm diabetic and there is nothing about sugar that I need. I had an art teacher a few years ago and she is older than I am by quite a bit and looks amazing. And she does no sugar and no social media. And I thought, okay, sister, whatever plan you're on, mm-hmm. I want to get on because it is clearly working for you. And like I said, with sugar, even if it's just breaking up with it a day a week, right? Seeing how you feel. For me, I'm a big Gretchen Rubin fan and she does abstainers and moderators. And I would have been surprised how much freedom I found in abstaining from it. I don't have to think about what I'm eating or not eating or just a bite or, you know, because I'm one of those people, it's like, if I make a pan of brownies, I'm going to eat the pan of brownies. Right. It's going to be in the back of my mind. And I, I'm just, I'm going to eat it like it's my job till it's gone mm-hmm. and then feel horrible and horrible about myself. So for me, that abstaining piece has been huge. It'll be around a year in Halloween. You know, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not methodical about it. You know, if there's some sugar in some Chinese food or something like that. Okay. So be it twist my arm. But as far as added sugar, pretty much none. And like I said, I it's, it's been good for my mood and my energy. That's great. And I'm just, as I'm listening to you talk about all these things like silence, do you think it's, it's fair to say that for some people, I'm also an introvert, so I'm right with you. Like I do sometimes just need that solitude. I just need some time alone to just like be with my thoughts. But for those people who are extroverted, do you think it's possible that they need that instead of solitude, it could be flipped and they would actually need the socialization just to kind of like regulate themselves? Or what are your thoughts on that? I think all of us could benefit from a little more silence than we have. Mm-hmm. So if your level is zero, there is probably some benefit from some silence there somewhere. Right. But also the, the balance part of it, like you said, seeing what you need and taking your temperature. Right. I can see that other people would think that my lunchtime is a punishment, you know, <laughs> in the quiet room by myself, eating healthy snacks. I'm sure they're like, get me out of here <laughs> with some people. <laughs> Yeah. I'm drinking my VA by myself, like weirdo. So I'm sure for other people, they would thrive from getting to see other people. And like I said, I have to watch myself with the balance thing because I can be like, Oh, I've been in my portable all day. Right. Uh, Let me go talk to some people. Yes. You know, so I really will try to carve out some time, you know, go to car rider a few minutes early and talk to somebody small talk in the morning even if I'm not really there yet. Right. You know, uh, like I said, so I think it is, we, we know what we need. 
Yeah. And we know when we're off, I think we don't always just take care of it. Yeah. I think we often don't listen to ourselves, to that inner voice, to know what we need. That's a great time. All right. So which resources would you recommend for music teachers who would really like to start focusing on self-care? Do you have resources that you recommend? I am going to be a total suck up. I was listening to some of your past episodes and I think they would be a great place to start. Thank you. So uh, the productivity one, Mm -hmm. which I think was your very first one. So I went back through because I knew there were some gems there with Mm self-care. I think the productivity one would be great. I really loved your conversation with Emily about rest and rejuvenation. I think that's a terminology I'll use around Christmas. Like I said, just so many pearls there of just actionable things to do right away. I felt convicted about the reading. I used to be such an avid reader and I've just, and my son is, you know, he'll just pile through the books and I'm just not there right now. And I know I would get a lot of enjoyment out of it. Mm -hmm. I know I'd get a lot of rejuvenation out of it. I'm just, I need to get back in that habit and turn off the TV and open a book. I mean, how embarrassing, but no, I'm, I'm right with you. It's funny. I actually went to the library with my youngest yesterday and we were about to check out the books. And I said, no way. And I went to like the novels, like the new novel section. And I just grabbed one and I was like, I have to read. (laughs) I love, don't you love being the first one to check out a book? Yes. And I just, I love it. I just, I love to read, but I, you know, you kind of use the excuse, oh, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I don't have time for that. But it is, it can be self-care because you're doing something that really calms you down and, you know, that you can really focus on and you have that solitude and that silence when you're doing it, except for, you know, the thoughts you hear in your head as you're reading, but you know, your thinking voice, we talked about that today. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Anything else about self-care? Oh, yes. So the other episode I was going to think about was you did one yourself on self-care. And then um, I had a, um, (laughs) you sure did. I listened to it. I don't know if any of your listeners are subscribers to musicplayonline.com, but I just think it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I did a Wednesday webinar this summer. So if you're a subscriber and you look up under the webinars, probably in the announcements feature, I did an interview there on this topic too, with a little bit more of a focus towards the guided journaling and the map portion of it. So those are great resources. The other one I'm going to say just resource wise, like I said, I mentioned the Apple bedtime is Walmart pickup or whatever grocery store pickup. My husband, and I went in the grocery store the other night, my son was at an event and I'm like, ah, I'm just so out of practice of being in the store and walking around. And it, it seems like such a drag. I have the Walmart app. I add things as I think of it. You know, one time I got in a pickle and it was literally like five minutes before duty in the morning. Mm-hmm. I did the quickest order ever because I knew I have something to pick up after school. Right. I usually do it on the week, like a weeknight. I do it on the way home from school. My husband and son are great. They help me unload it. You know, life is too short to be wandering around the grocery store and putting your own groceries in the car when Walmart, the nice people there or Kroger or Aldi or any of the other places that do it, um, will do it for you for free. Yeah, that's a great suggestion. All right. Anything else you want to mention about self-care? You had a lot of great, great information, great suggestions. Thank you. I think the big thing is start small. I think we really let the perfect be the enemy of the good. There is not going to be any one perfect way to take care of yourself. And uh, life is not ever going to slow down. Sorry to tell you this. You know, I always think like, okay, I'm going to get really caught up and then over Christmas break. Oh, spring break. And it's just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to make it a part of your daily routine, a part of your daily rhythms. Uh, You are absolutely worth it. And like I said, as a music teacher, I think more so than a lot of other teachers, we're the product and it's a very specialized skill set and it's a very demanding skill set. So if we want to be in this, if we want to be master teachers who are in this profession for a long time, 
and impacted a lot of lives for good. I think it's important that we prioritize that type of thing. The simple, boring, non-glamorous, drink your water, get your sleep, get your steps in, delegate, anything like that. But like I said, if you just start with one, Mm -hmm. start with your biggest pain point, start with a 10 minute earlier bedtime. It doesn't have to feel like a burden. Or, or another part-time job. Yeah, those are all great suggestions. Thank you. I like that perfect is the enemy of good. That's a great- point. I think it's Voltaire. Yeah. Because when I think about my life, I mean, I'm such a perfectionist. It's a problem. And as I look back, there are so many times where, you know, procrastination and fear and perfectionism. And like I said, the way we're trained as musicians, there's a lot of perfectionism there, right? And in our programs, and it's just a very hard habit to break. And I'm definitely not there, but um, that- that saying helps me a lot. Awesome. Thank you. Where can we find you? Do you have, you know, like an Instagram account or website or anything like that? I don't have a very big presence, but I have, um, you are welcome to um, private message me at Beth Duhon. Um, Ribble was my maiden name. I also have a Facebook group. It is self-care for the music educator. Oh, awesome. Uh, we are a small group, but we'd love to grow. I post almost every day. Like I said, just memes, basically just memes about things like that to make you think just about easy, healthy habits, thought provoking questions. Um, it's a good group. and I'm, I love them. That's awesome. And I can link to that in the show notes. So for those people who are listening, if you go to Mrs. Miracles, music slash podcast and find this episode, then I will link to Beth's Facebook group there. That'd be great. Thank um, you. All right. Do you want to talk about what we're consuming? All right. So I can go first. The what I was going to mention is actually read along the lines of self care. So have you ever listened to Angela Watson, Truth for Teachers? I was going to mention her. Yes, I have. Uh, was that she's what the best. you were going to talk about? With no, no, oh, okay, no. Okay, okay, great. So she's got a great podcast called Truth for Teachers, and there's just something about the way that she talks and her voice that's just really calming. So I highly suggest that, and it is more geared towards classroom teachers, but lots of good stuff there. But she has a book. I've actually been listening to it as an audio book called Fewer Things Better. Have you read it or listened to it? I have read it. It's it's a book that I have read. Yeah, I think she's just so wise. And I'm not going to say that, you know, I think with anyone who has strong opinions and a strong voice that I'm 100% there with everything she says, but I always think, and I think, like I said, so much of it is applicable to us. She had a a really good podcast episode just on simple lunch ideas for teachers. Oh, okay. Yeah. And um, and like I said, and just a podcast in general, I've I've been a subscriber for a long time and Mm -hmm. I really enjoy it. Yeah. So this book that she, and I actually am not done with it, but I've read, listened to quite a, quite a bit of it, but in the book, she really, she talks about how to do fewer things better and kind of gets into some of the, it's really interesting, like how we as a teaching profession got to the point where we felt like we had to do everything for our students and we had to stay really late or we're bad teachers. And just like all those, like kind of myths that we came to believe as truths. So I think anyone can benefit from listening to or reading that book. It's it's a great read. It's so powerful. Yeah. Because I think a lot, we just swallowed it hook, line and sinker. You know, maybe our supervising teacher stayed late. So we thought that's what good teachers do. Right. You know, or we watched one too many, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer movies where she's a teacher (laughs) saving everybody. And we just thought that's, we have to save everybody, you know, or we're not dedicated or we're not good. Or, you know, someone gave us a stink eye when we leave after contract time. Right. 
and we never did it again. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just think it's so refreshing. Yeah, for sure. What about you? What are you consuming? Okay. So it's TV. Remember, I don't read anymore. Okay. Uh, <laughs> my son and I, so I have, it's a preteen son and you know, I want to connect with him and I want to spend time with him. So uh, we watch Lego masters oh, okay. with Will Arnett. Have you seen that? I've seen bits and parts and it was, it was entertaining, but I haven't really sat down and really watched a whole episode. We sit down, we, um, the bed's adjustable. So we get up in the bed. It's kind of his excuse to stay up late at night with me. And like I said, it's, it's clean, which is a relief when you're watching yeah. this with a, you know, a young kid. It is, uh, it's entertaining. Will Arnett is funny. It's problem solving. Yeah. Exit. And just, you know, I think about what I can make with a Lego, which is nothing. <laughs> And, you know, and here they are, you know, on camera solving problems, building something on Legos for 12 hours that can withstand an earthquake. Wow, so it's, awesome. it's very interesting. And even the storylines are interesting. It's very well done. I think yeah. that Brad Pitt is the executive producer. Oh, wow. So that was kind that's of interesting. I, I imagine it's the Brad Pitt. I don't know. Yeah. But, that's awesome. uh, The other thing I'm consuming is we don't, I don't think we get it anymore because we just changed cable providers, but there for a time we had sling. Mm-hmm. And we got the Bon Appetit channel. I don't know if you've ever seen that. No. But um, one of their shows has Claire and it's called Gourmet Makes. And she remakes snack foods and junk foods by scratch and elevates them. Oh, that's cool. It's fascinating. Uh, once again, I mean, I could never do it in a million years with a million dollars, but it's so neat. Like I said, the problem solving aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, is just fascinating. She'll make Mentos from scratch. She'll make Ferrero Rocher or Pringles. You know, it's fascinating. Yeah. And she's really, really good at what she does. So yeah. Uh, gourmet makes on Bon Appetit. Okay. Awesome. I'll see if I can get that. Maybe I might even have sling and I don't even realize it. I'll have to look. It may be one of those. Yeah. It may be one yeah. of those, you know, with everybody they're streaming, streaming right now, it's so crazy. Who knows what you get and what you don't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Beth. This was really helpful. I know that the people listening will really appreciate all of your suggestions. I sincerely hope it is. I enjoyed my time with you this evening. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks so much. Bye. Okay. Bye. I hope you enjoyed the episode. In my next episode, I will be talking about how to get students back on track in the music room when they've fallen behind for various reasons, but especially because of COVID-19. Make sure that you've subscribed to the music room on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you so much and have a wonderful day. Hey, I just got a really exciting text. We are getting closer to the hard copy version, the paperback on Amazon of Happier Music Teacher, 50 Days to Being a Happier Music Teacher at Home and at School. Of course, it's always available on F-flat books, and I hope you will support them in your mission if you want an e-book. But if it doesn't feel like a real book to you unless you hold it in your hands, I really can't wait to share it with you. I'll let you know when it releases.